The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Three days later, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with you and me? My time has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Six stone water jars, which the Jews used for ceremonial cleansing, were standing there, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did. When the master of the banquet tasted the water that had now become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the banquet called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then, when the guests have had plenty to drink, the cheaper wine. You saved the good wine until now. This, the beginning of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Have you ever gone to a wedding that was memorable for a wrong reason? Maybe the best man was a bit overserved before he gave his big speech and mentioned a few things that maybe would have been better left unsaid, or maybe your cousin who totally thinks he can dance but totally can't dance, made a spectacle out of himself on the dance floor. Of course, nobody wants their wedding to be remembered for something like that. Everybody wants their wedding, the ceremony, and the banquet, the celebration, to be perfect and to be remembered for all of the right reasons. Jesus and at least six of his disciples are attending a wedding in a small town, Cana, in Galilee. Now, in this culture, usually the wedding ceremony itself is held in the home of the bride, and then after an elaborate procession to the groom's house, his family hosts the reception or the celebration or the banquet. Uh, in our culture, we are used to wedding celebrations lasting usually for a few hours. Theirs lasted a few days, sometimes as long as a week or even longer than that. Now, Jesus' mother Mary is also attending this wedding, and it appears that she is more than just your run-of-the-mill guest, but she is one of the honored guests. So another cultural difference is that for our wedding celebrations, we tend to hire out the work of catering and waiting tables and bussing tables, but they had some of their closest friends do that work as honored guests, and it appears Mary is one of them because when they run out of wine, she knows about it right away. Now, if Mary is one of those honored guests in charge of running this reception, then Jesus' family and the groom's family are probably very close to each other. And that means that this wedding celebration is not just important to the bride and groom and their families, but it is also very important to Jesus' mother, Mary. And it's about to become one of those wedding celebrations that will be remembered for the wrong reason. It's about to become one of those wedding celebrations that people look back on years later and shake their heads and think, how could that happen? Because 
Running out of wine is a major social blunder. And how could the groom's family make such a terrible mistake as this? Well, sometimes things just don't go according to plan. Maybe the party has lasted longer than they thought it would last. Or maybe more people have turned up than they thought would attend. Maybe, for example, when they invited Jesus and his disciples, they were expecting him to maybe bring two or three, not six or seven. But whatever the reason, the mistake has been made, and it is about to become very embarrassing for them. Now, some people who comment on this story are pretty harsh and unforgiving with Jesus' mother Mary. I don't think we need to be harsh with Mary, and I don't think she does anything at all in this story that needs forgiveness. Mary only does what any believer in Jesus should do. She takes her problem, and again, it's her problem too because she is helping to run this reception. She takes her problem to Jesus for help. It's what we should do. Now, it is true that Mary and Jesus have different goals here, right? Mary's main goal is to save the day for the bride and groom and their families. Her main goal is to get more wine for this party. Jesus' main goal is different. His main goal is to reveal his glory at just the right time and in just the right way. And that's probably the easiest way to understand why Jesus responds to Mary as he does when Mary informs him they have no more wine. Jesus knows there is a need. And he wants to help, and he will help, but he has to do it when the time is right and when he can do it in the way that is right. So he answers, woman, what does that have to do with you and me? My time has not yet come. Now, even after she is told that she is going to have to wait, Mary's faith that Jesus will help, he will fix this, does not waver. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And Jesus does help. He does help when he is able to do it at the right time and he is able to do it at the right way. Because this miracle, happening so early in Jesus' ministry, this is not yet the right time for Jesus to put his power and glory as the Son of God on display for huge crowds and large groups of people. So he has to wait for the time when he can do it so that just his disciples and a few other people will know about it. But in the end... Jesus helps. And does he ever help? If you do the math, it's between 120 and 180 gallons of wine. Just for the sake of ease, we'll take the number in the middle. 150 gallons, which really is a lot of wine. And this actually troubles some people. They wonder, is Jesus trying to get people drunk here? Well, no, of course not. Remember, these are long celebrations, and maybe more people have shown up than they thought would. And besides... Jesus has attached no string that says all the wine has to be drunk by the end of the celebration. Jesus is just being generous with his help. But it's not just the quantity of the wine that is amazing. It's the quality of it. The master of the banquet called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the guests have had plenty to drink, then the cheaper wine. You saved the good wine until now. And this also bothers some people because it sounds like Jesus is maybe complicit in over-serving people. But if you look closely at what the master of the banquet says, he never says anything like that. He's just commenting on how refreshingly different this banquet is than most of the banquets he has seen. And he seems to think that bringing out the good stuff later was actually some sort of plan that the groom's family had, which of course 
It wasn't at all. The good stuff has come out late because Jesus has helped. He waited until it was just the right time and he could do it in just the right way because at this early stage of his ministry, the miracle is to benefit just a few. And this is how it helps them. This, the beginning of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. St. John calls this miracle a sign. And it's easy to understand why if we just think about what signs do. They point to something and they tell you something about it. This miraculous sign, Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana, is a big arrow pointing up from the head of Jesus Christ to heaven. It is a sign that says, this is where I come from, and this is who I am. Because you see, it was only three days earlier, just three days ago, that Jesus called these men to be his disciples. Three days earlier, he chose them to believe in him and to follow him. But these disciples are sinful, so their faith in Jesus will never be perfect. Their discipleship of him will never be perfect. By the end of their lives, their faith in Jesus is going to be so strong and their discipleship of him is going to be so firm that ten of his disciples will follow Jesus all the way to their death, all the way to martyrdom. And one of them, the one who wrote this gospel, followed Jesus all the way to exile at the end of their life. But their faith is not perfect, and neither is their discipleship, especially so early following Jesus. The disciples need this sign to point up from Jesus to heaven and tell them that's where Jesus comes from, and he comes as the Son of God. And we, disciples of Jesus, who are here this morning, we need this miraculous sign for the same reason. Because Jesus has also called us to believe in him, and we do. And he has also called us to follow him, and we do. But we're not perfect either. Our faith in Jesus is never perfect, and neither is our discipleship. So we need this sign. And we need all of the signs that Jesus performs in his ministry to point us up from Jesus to heaven and tell us that's where Jesus comes from. And he comes as the Son of God. That's why Jesus performs this miracle and all the miracles in his ministry. That's why he turns water into wine at Cana. It's why he opens blind eyes and deaf ears. It's why he stiffens powerless legs. It is why Jesus drives out demons and even raises the dead. So that all of his followers of all time can see the sign pointing up to heaven, telling them Jesus comes from heaven and he comes as the Son of God. But these miracles that Jesus performs, they do more than point to his deity, the fact that he is God. This sign teaches us other things about Jesus too. But what other truth about Jesus does this sign point to? This sign points to the truth that Jesus cares about the things that we need in our lives and he even cares about the things that we don't really need, but we just want. And did that bride and groom, by the technical definition of the word need, strict definition of need, did they need more wine for their wedding? Not to the strict definition. Nobody would have died 
if Jesus did not turn that water into wine. And in the grand scheme of things, I mean like in the big picture of the whole universe, how important was it for them to have that wine? In the grand scheme of things, not very. Yes, they would have been very embarrassed, but it would not have ended the world. But at that moment, it was very important to them. And it was very important to Mary. And so it became important to Jesus Christ. And the same thing is true for all of Jesus' followers of all time. If there is something you need, or even something you just want, it's not technically a need, it's really not all that important in the grand scheme of the whole universe, it becomes important to your Savior Jesus because he loves you. And when you take it to him, even if it is just a want or really not that important, he is going to listen to it just as he listened to his mother Mary at that wedding. And why wouldn't he? Now this miracle, and every miracle is a sign pointing us up to heaven, telling us that Jesus has come into this world from heaven as the Son of God. But that naturally leads to the question, why? Why did the eternal, almighty Son of God wrap himself in our flesh and come into this world? Because he cares about us enough to save us from our sins. And here we should probably stop using the word care and expand it to the word love. Jesus has an eternal love for us that caused him to climb down from the throne of heaven and walk through this dark and evil world. And he let that darkness, the sin of this world, affect him, hurt him. He carried our burdens but he never touched it or participated in it himself so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus' love for us caused him to go to the cross and take the thing that he hates the most on himself. What do you hate more than anything else in the world? What disgusts you more than anything else? Let's say it's spiders. How much would you have to love another human being to allow yourself to be covered in spiders for them? Our sin is the thing that Jesus hates more than anything else in the world. And he loves us so much that he allowed himself to be covered in our sin on the cross to pay for it all and take it all away. His love for, him, for us led him to be buried in the earth that he created so that he could come out of it alive again so that we will too. So it is safe to conclude that Jesus cares about us enough, that he loves us enough to listen to what we need and even just to what we want. We know it from all the love that he showed when he saved us from our sins, and we know it from this story of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana. So when you find yourself in the position of Jesus' mother Mary, if there is something you need or even just something you want, be bold like Mary and take it to Jesus. He loves you, he cares about you, and he will listen. Now this sign also points us to the truth that not only will Jesus listen to you, but he will come through for you. Remember Jesus and Mary have different goals. Mary's main goal here is to just get more wine to save the wedding. Jesus' main goal is to reveal his glory just the right time, just the right way. That means Mary has to wait a while 
for what she wants. She doesn't get it right away. But in the end, Jesus comes through spectacularly. Lots of wine, lots of really good wine. And here there's part of us that may want to interrupt and say, now hold on here a minute. When I take something I need, or just something I want to Jesus, he doesn't always come through for me quite so spectacularly. I don't usually get 150 gallons of anything. And that way of thinking is very silly and very wrong. Because the truth is, every single time one of Jesus' people takes something to him, he does come through magnificently, perfectly, every single time for us. Because maybe that want that I take to him is something that is going to be very bad for me. And he knows that because he's God, and I don't because I'm not. Or maybe what I need, more than that thing I think I need, is to learn that I don't really need it. And to be reminded that God's grace is sufficient for me. Whatever his reasons, if Jesus does not give us what we have in mind, he gives us what is better, and not just better, what is best. And this remains true every single time one of Jesus' followers takes to him any need or any want, just as he did for his mother at that wedding, he will come through perfectly at the right time, every time. Jesus' brand new disciples needed this sign to point up from Jesus to heaven and tell them he comes from the kingdom of heaven, he comes as the Son of God. We need this sign for the same reason. See Jesus turn 150 gallons of ordinary water into tasty wine at the wedding of banquet, at the wedding of Cana, and we look up to heaven and say, that's where Jesus comes from. He comes as the one who is not just a man, but man who is also God. And this sign also points us to the truth that Jesus loves us enough to listen to everything that we take to him. And he loves us enough to give us what is perfect at the perfect time, every time. So, do what Jesus' disciples did at that wedding. Put your faith in him and follow him. And do what Jesus' mother Mary does. Take everything to your Savior. He loves you, and he will help you perfectly. Amen.